everyone. Welcome to my show, Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders and interesting allies that I meet in my life. Today, I have with me a very special and fabulous guest who is an ally and is rocking the podcast world, Josh Tapp, who is the host and producer of the Lucky Titan Podcast and a serial entrepreneur as well. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Josh, I know you've put people in the hot seat with the Lucky Titan podcast, and today I'm really excited to put you on the other side of the hot seat and get some interesting uh, answers on a lot of questions for our listeners. Are you excited? Oh, yeah, I'm really excited. I love being on both sides of the mic. This is the place to be. Pretty cool. And Josh is a great person to get to know, and I'm so excited that I was able to bring him onto the show amidst his busy schedule. So Josh, I see you as an entrepreneur who's focused on helping fellow entrepreneurs succeed. But I wanted to ask you, how do you see yourself? Well, um, as far as in the, in the success realm, <laughs> I, I see myself as still learning. Um, one of the things that um, I learned pretty early on was, you know, get out of your own head. Don't, don't let your ego take control of you, right? Because what's really interesting in the entrepreneurial space is every time you feel like you're about to see a huge success, you'll be humbled. Um, you know, whether you believe in a higher power or whatnot, I believe that that's to keep you humble, but to also help you um, gain more success in your life. And, and I know for me, I've realized I don't have to be the, the guy, right? I mean, everybody's like, I want to be the Grant Cardone or the Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, my whole goal in life is just to help direct people in the right direction. And if I'm not the best person to help them resolve a certain problem in their life, I know I can point them in a different direction that will. And the best thing that I like about you, Josh, and the Lucky Titan podcast and your entrepreneurial business is providing people with the right kind of tools, resources, and the right kind of answers. And you come across as a very humble leader who does it without any kind of return on investment that you're expecting at the same time. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. Sure, Josh. No, I know on your podcast, the first question that you ask is, what is something about you that you've never shared with anyone? And today I have the privilege of asking you the same question. So <laughs> what is something about you that you haven't shared with anyone, but are going to share with our career startup listeners? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is actually one that I, I keep pretty close to my chest. I don't like when people ask. So I love this question, first off, because it breaks the ice, right? <laughs> Helps you kind of see into that person's life a little bit. Right. Um, I... Uh, I don't share this in a lot of a lot of situations because some people find it. I guess there's a lot of uh, diverse opinions about it. I guess, but I spent um, two years in Mexico, in southern Mexico, um, doing a service mission for my church. And you know, I so I I love God. I love I love living in the USA. I'm I'm a true blooded American. But <laughs> I uh, what I love about um, you know Mexico and being able to do that service opportunity is outside of the the amazing opportunity that was. I really gained a respect for the true entrepreneur or the true American dream, which is entrepreneurialism. And, you know, coming home after two years of living, really, we were basically in like, there was no floors, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, Priyanka, if you've ever experienced that, but it's really interesting when you go and live in a place that's poverty stricken and you see, you know, really like the opportunity that we do have in the United States to be able to grow and to do really whatever we want. And it really kind of set me on a path when I came home and I was, I got home at I think 20 or 21 and was ready to take on the world. Right. I knew I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to pursue education. I want to pursue, um, 
I want to pursue entrepreneurial pursuits and just, you know, become more and, and share more. And that's that whole experience. Again, I don't really share it very often because I don't think you should really talk a lot about like, Oh, I, I serve. Right. <laughs> but that experience was really formative for me and changing the way that, uh, that I do things. And another thing that people don't know about me, this is one that's a little bit more frivolous, I guess. I'm a water baby. I, you, I can't keep me off the water. <laughs> we have boats, we have kayaks, everything that we do. Like if I could do my business on the water, I would do it. That's like perfect for the summer retreat. So um, <laughs> really interesting insights about you, Josh. And I feel your personal journey helps you become a better person. And I think your act of serving others comes from some of those humble experiences that you've had early in your life. Now, how did the idea of the Lucky Titan podcast come about? And tell me a little bit more about the name as well, the Lucky Titan. Yeah, where it all came from. <laughs> so I actually, when I was in college, you know, I, I had gotten home from that two-year service mission, went to college, realized pretty early on that I wanted to start doing entrepreneurial things. And, and so I started Versi Marketing, which was just a Facebook ads agency. And really what it was is I knew I could make some good money with it uh, because, you know, if anybody's ever done it before, Facebook ad agency is like a quick way to make money. Um, it's really not a super sustainable business model, in my opinion. Um, some people do, do make it that way. But for me, where I really wasn't as committed to it, like I just wanted to use it to pay my way through college and everything. Um, it really started to take off. And after college, um, I decided to just do it full time because it was working so well. And then I, about six months to a year afterwards, I realized it really wasn't, um, there was something about it that I wasn't loving and, and I couldn't really put my finger on it. So I had a, I had a mentor sit down with me. And if you're familiar with ClickFunnels, um, he's a two comma club winner, Michael Maitland, if you've ever heard of him. Um, he sat down with me and he was like, so, so why aren't you happy in what you're doing? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm happy, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm living up to my fullest potential. And we really identified that I love the marketing. I loved my customer, but I really didn't like the model. I just wasn't very happy with the, the agency model, the done for you model. And for me, it, it was starting to become this slog where I spent more time trying to get clients than I did actually doing what I was good at, which was the marketing side and teaching people the marketing and the consulting and all that stuff that I, I genuinely love because I like working with people one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting. Um, but the done for you model was just kind of tiring. Um, and so when, when uh, I had that conversation with him, he's like, well, then why don't you just do what you want to do? And it was those moments, right? Because you're making some good money and you're like, yeah, but I have to give up all the money, right? <laughs> and what I decided to do though, is I, I talked to my partner and I ended up selling 90% of the shares. So I still own 10% in that company, but I decided to move on and create a new brand. But having, at that point, I had around four-ish years of experience in marketing. I learned all the different types of ads and copywriting and funnel building and all that stuff. And I said, okay, let's, let's build this right. And so I was trying to think of a good brand um, and, and the type of people that I wanted to interview. And before this, I had interviewed quite a few really high-level people just for, all, you know, just for networking purposes. <laughs> and... I realized that most of them had become those, those industry titans. And, and titan is kind of an audacious word. Um, and a lot of people think that I'm referring to myself when I say the lucky titan, that I'm not. <laughs> it's more about interviewing people. And when we initially started, it was about interviewing people who are industry titans, but they talked about their lucky break. Every time I've talked to somebody, so we've even sat down with billionaires. I mean, um, if you've heard of like Steve Sims, for example, 
he would attribute 90% of what he, he did to luck, uh, to a successful journey. Same thing with like John Lee Dumas, right? He's like, obviously you had to put yourself in the right position. And actually there's this really cool story about Elaine Keltz. If anybody's familiar with her, she, she runs a better business bureau podcast. Um, but very, very successful lady. And she, and she said, you know, luck has, um, you know, all of us believe that you, you kind of create your own luck, right? Like you do have a semblance of luck, but she's like, you have to put yourself in a hallway full of doors because that way you have a lot of doors. You can just start kicking down until you find the opportunity. And I really love that because that's what entrepreneurs do. There's a semblance of luck to it, but it's, it's more of a strategic placement of luck. And so the lucky Titan, I just knew would be something that would lock into people's mind. Um, we created the logo as it's a really memorable logo. Um, and it's, it's a memorable title instead of just like the Josh Tap show. Right. Um, and so that's where the podcast came about and the whole brand kind of stemmed from that. That's a pretty uh, cool idea, Josh. And I'm so glad you've, thought through how you want to position your brand. Now, a couple of things that I've realized as you were talking about is one, mentorship. How important has mentorship been in your entrepreneurial journey? It's been absolutely crucial. I, so I've spent probably 40 or $50,000 over the past two or three years on, on self-training outside of my degrees because I wanted to learn the skills, right? So courses and group coaching or what have you. But I found the number one way to actually move forward is to find somebody who's already done what you've done, right? We all know this, but the value of that is, to, is if you bring them into your world, they can tell you exactly what not to do. That's the most important thing. And like when I work with people and people come to me and say, Hey, can you consult me or what have you or coach me or whatever they want? It's, I usually am working on, this is what you shouldn't do, right? Avoid these things because you know, as an entrepreneur, we never run out of ideas. We're creative people, right? But the goal of a mentor and the role of a mentor is for them to help you avoid the time traps, the time sucks. I am one of the worst people that I have the worst shiny object syndrome. When somebody's like, hey, here's a cool business idea. I'm like, that is amazing. Let's do it. And I'm like, wait a second. I don't have time for this. <laughs> and it's so hard, right? Trying to prioritize where you should focus your energy. Right. I've honestly worked myself into quite a few holes with my, my shiny optic syndrome. So, um, I, I do a lot of my mentors, almost every single thing that like almost every single one of them says the first thing is like, stop chasing the shiny object. And I'm like, I know. And for me, it's not really the money. I just want to see if I can make it work. Right. It's like, man, that sounds like a cool business idea. Let's see if we can make it happen. <laughs> I like the way you're formulating it as the shiny object syndrome. It's the first time I've actually heard your perspective in titling it that way. So that's pretty cool. Now tell me a little bit more about marketing because that's very important in today's world. What are the top three things that have led you to the success path? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, coming from an ad, ad agency background, I explored Google ads, Facebook ads, you know, advertising even on LinkedIn, chatbots, all of that stuff. And really what it comes down to is there's actually a few core methodologies that if you use, it doesn't actually even require you money. And it's really funny because people just think, and as entrepreneurs, our initial thought is how much money can I throw at this, right? We try to be resourceful. So we're like, okay, I'm going to find $10,000 through a credit card and, and buy Facebook ads and I'll be a millionaire, right? And almost everybody who does that gets, gets let down. And you know, after interviewing a lot of really high level entrepreneurs, every single one of them has one strategy that they use over anything else. And that's using joint venture partnerships. And 
I've even found for myself, when I realized that when I started interviewing people, I, I hung up the cape on everything else and said, let's focus 100% on building these, these joint venture partnerships. The reason it's unattractive to most people is because it seems like this big time consuming bear of a task. Um, but you and I both know, Priyanka, if you can pull together a podcast, a simple show, and you can literally start one of these in about two hours, <laughs> you, can, um, you can start interviewing some amazing people. And what we've found, so my podcast, I didn't actually initially start it to get guests. I did it so I could start networking with some high-level people. And every person that comes on my show either becomes a customer or we partner up in some way every single one. And the beautiful thing about that is that for me, I get to tap into their networks, but it allows them as well to start associating with my brand. And again, so the Lucky Titan is kind of a memorable brand. That's the hope, right? Is people will actually remember what it is. But when it starts to be associated with John Lee Dumas and Steve Sims, Josh Steinle, you know, these people who are really high level people, we're leveraging their, um, their following, leveraging their popularity to make us be popular. There's a movie, and I can't remember what it's called all of a sudden off the top of my head, but um, they basically have this, this lady go back to high school to become, uh, and try to become popular, get into the cool crowd. I think she's a reporter. Do you know a movie I'm talking about? No, I don't recollect it, but I, I think I know what you're talking about. I don't recollect the name, though. I can't, I can't remember the name, but uh, it's really funny because there, there's a line in there that really sticks out. Um, so she goes into school. She was a nerd in high school, but they sent her back to high school, and she's a pretty girl and everything, but she still can't get in the cool kid crowd. Um, but then her brother comes in who was cool. And within two days, he's like in this super popular crowd. Right. And he says, here's the thing. You don't need to be the coolest kid in the room. You just need to be friends with one of the cool kids in the room and you'll be in. Right. It's like and, try to find the right person. Right. Right. <laughs> um, the podcasting space is like the easiest place to do that because podcasters are amazing people. I honestly can say I've never really met a podcaster that I was like, I do not like you. And I don't really like, not like anybody. So that's probably the problem. But some of the best people are within the, the podcasting space. And all you have to do is start interviewing podcasters and you'll pretty quickly get into these, these parties. And the, the reason why I recommend this to everybody is because um, when we first started our show, I, I just started reaching out to guests and I had been following this guy on LinkedIn for a long time. His name's Josh Steinle. Turns out we go to the same church and everything. I didn't even know that, but he was, so that was kind of a good end for me, but he, I'd been following for a long time and he's a really high level producer. Um, he's written things for Forbes and he's been featured in like entrepreneur and a bunch of stuff, very successful marketing guy, but I brought him onto the show and he was impressed with what we were doing. Um, we became friends through there and he literally referred me 40 different people. Um, and not a single one of these people had a net worth less than $50 million a year. And so all of those people, all of a sudden I was in this crowd of really high level people. I took one relationship and he's not the only person who's done that. Almost every person we've interviewed has been like, yeah, you got to interview this person or get in this group of people. And just from that relationship with Josh Steinle, I should probably tell him this, but we've made hundreds of thousands of dollars just from that one relationship. And because of the relationships we got from that and the clients and what have you. And, and so the, the value of that is so huge that people just, they, they tend to say, oh yeah, I'll get to joint ventures eventually. I'll eventually get affiliates for my products. But what I found is if you'll come to people with, um, you know, these people who are these B-level influencers, right? You're not going after Oprah Winfrey, right? Because she's almost untouchable. It's really hard to reach out to her, but you can reach out to these people who have a few hundred thousand people who religiously follow them 
And you can come to them and say, let's collaborate, right? Even if you don't have an audience, you don't have a following, I found there's many different ways that you can leverage a relationship with those people to help both of you win. So we've, that honestly, like, I know you said three things, but it literally comes down to one. That's the number one thing. Everybody should just stop everything you're doing and do joint venture partnerships. <laughs> and that's the best part about uh, joint venture partnership, right? It's a win-win for all of us involved and everybody is happy at the end of the day. And I really like the, the fact that there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, empathy in terms of helping each other succeed going forward. And that pays itself forward is, is what I'm hearing uh, from your personal experience. Now, yeah. as you interview all these lucky titans in the industry, have you ever heard a no from any? So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, no, <laughs> never once. Um, you know, going back to the marketing agency, right? So when we, when we were doing the marketing agency to get a client, we'd usually reach out to 100 people on LinkedIn. We'd get anywhere from five to six appointments off of it. And three would show up and then we would close one of those deals, right? So we knew, okay, if for every hundred people, we can, we can get a sale. Um, but the amount of time and effort and work that goes into that is all, it's crazy. Right. And so when we started the podcast, I actually reached out to a hundred people and we had 98 of them immediately respond within like two to three days. And we ended up interviewing 80 of them because some of them I realized probably weren't the best type of guests for my show. So we ended up interviewing about 80 of them, and then we featured about 60 of those episodes. So the cool thing about that, though, was everybody was saying yes, right? Like you said, it just opens doors. That's why, anyways, I'm not even going to go into like what we offer, but <laughs> that, I, I think the number one thing everybody should do is build a platform. And it doesn't even matter what type of business you're in. We've been doing this with people who own a brick-and-mortar restaurant who will start or a gym, and if they'll start a platform or they interview other entrepreneurs in the area, it just opens doors. It's the craziest thing. That's really amazing. Uh, you know, the fabulous success stories that you have. Now, let me ask you something really personal. Was there ever a low moment in your entrepreneurial journey where you had to reevaluate what you were doing? Yeah, honestly, I would say it was when we did that transition. Um, you know, we, we like to say it was a short little moment, but for me, it was, it was four or five months where I was just not content with what we were doing. Um, the, Multiple times throughout my career, I would say the lowest points that I've had would be when, when I'm providing a result for somebody through a done-for-you service, and no matter what I do, they're not happy. And that, for me, just it brings real because I'm I'm a people pleaser in some ways, <laughs> and um, you know that's why I'm a podcast host, right? But when I when I'm doing work for somebody and they're just not happy with the results, I just don't feel good paying them or or, or charging them, right? And I know that when you know, for a lot of people like, yeah, but I mean, you're doing the work and what have you. But for me, I really want people to just be blown away with what I'm offering them, right? Because I don't like paying for stuff and being like, eh, that was okay. And the hard part for me with the done for you model was that we could triple the results we promised them and they still wouldn't be happy, right? And so the relationship was difficult. So for me, that was honestly one of my lowest points. And like we talked about earlier, I think mentorship was just the way out of that. And a lot of people will try to throw money or time or buy courses or what have you to eliminate that problem. But really the only way you're going to get out of it is to get a leader in your life, to get, to get a mentor or a coach. And for a lot of you, just to point this out to everybody, when I got um, that two comma club winner to, to coach me, it didn't cost me a dime. I did a trade with him. I came to him and said, Hey, I'm looking to, um, 
or like to do a, a coaching trade with you. I'll, I'll audit or whatever your, your marketing on this, this, your Facebook ads, if you'll give me a one hour session. And that ended up becoming a friendship and we still cross consult all the time. And so that's, that's one of those things that I honestly think is the solve or the solution to every problem you have is to just find a coach. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's very important to nurture these relationships over the long run. And I think that's something that you've successfully done with all your guests on the show. It's not just like, you know, one-time effort being on the show. It's more about how do we help each other as we go through the journey. Right. Josh, you come across as someone who's very energetic and always inspired. What's your success secret to be who you are? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I, I'm an eternal optimist, which is part of my problem. <laughs> um, I, I think that can pull you down rabbit holes a lot. Um, my wife mentions that to me all the time. She's like, I think your, your hope level is a little too high sometimes <laughs> or my ambition level. But I, I really think it comes down to just believing that there's something better out there. Um, one of the people that I, I follow religiously, Russell Brunson, mm -hmm. um, if you're not familiar with him, you should be. Uh, everything that guy puts out is absolute gold. But he, he talks about us all the time. He's like, um, he says, I believe that every entrepreneur was actually called to be an entrepreneur. And I think I, I truly believe that. That's my motivation is that there's, there's a specific group of people that you have been called to serve on this planet. And that may not be millions of people. That might be, hey, your goal or your, your life's calling is to help this one person or to help these five people. Um, I personally believe that most entrepreneurs have a message in their heart that they need to share. And it's not just a desire to make money. There are people who that motivates them, right? Mm -hmm. But almost every entrepreneur that I've met, they do really feel like it, something's pulling them to where they're going. It's not just moseying through life. They're like, I have a trajectory. I may not know what it is yet, but they're, they're on the path that's moving towards that trajectory. And that's really what motivates me is I know there's people out there who need what I have. And you are an eternal optimist from what I can say. And the world <laughs> needs people like you, Josh. I mean, it's <laughs> Thank you. everything that's happening around us today. Now, you spoke about your trajectory. What's next in Josh's trajectory going forward? What's your vision? Yeah, what's, what's our next goal? So honestly, what we're really striving for right now, um, I've, I've done a lot of tests. So this is going to be a lesson for everybody in this. When, when, you, start a business, <laughs> when you start a business, everybody I talk to is really excited about the product that they have, right? They never tell me about the customer that they have. And I hated hearing that. Like, oh, figure out your ideal customer, your ideal customer. And you're like, I know, I need to have an ideal customer. But what I found when we started the podcast, I had no products. I said, I want to start and just see what people want. Who's going to be attracted to my show? And what was really interesting, I started off thinking it would be new business owners. Um, but it was actually the exact opposite. The, the people who listen to our show are typically past the 500000 to a $1 million point in their business. And they're trying to scale. They're trying, trying to grow quickly. And um, what was really intriguing to me about that is they have a whole different set of problems than somebody who is just starting out, right? Because somebody's just starting out is like, okay, what microphone should I buy for my podcast, right? <laughs> Blue Yeti, hey, we both have the same mic. I just realized that. <laughs> um, yeah, buy the Blue Yeti, great mic. Um, I need to just start having them uh, sponsor me. I talk about their stuff all the time. But anyway, so I took the, um, I, I took that, that advice and said, okay, I'm gonna start audience first 
And what I realized was that what most of them were wanting is they wanted to actually scale a platform. Um, they were looking at what we were doing with the podcast and saying, how the heck are you getting in the door with billionaires? And to me, I was just like, it wasn't really that hard. Right? It, you, you think it was like one of those easy things, but what's really funny, what you find easy, other people find extremely difficult. That's and easy. that's your product. Because if it's that easy to you, it's really easy to just come up with a process. You're like, well, this is how you do it. You know, be a good person. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, and for us, what we ended up finding was that um, they had a lot of different needs. So we've tried over 25 different product iterations over the past year that we've been doing the podcast. And um, we've really tried to, what, what we try to do is I, I launch it to my audience and say, hey, here's something we're going to try out. It's in beta launch. So we do a low cost um, offer, right? We've had things grow really quickly and we've had things just, we've had like one or two people and then crickets <laughs> or refund them their money and say, hey, thanks. It was good. It was a good trial, right? Um, but I really recommend that process to everybody is don't be in such a hurry to just build a product. Um, we've even sold something before we've built it before. I said, hey, would you like a course about this? And people were like, yeah, let's do it. They paid me and then we built the course. And so, you know, we've, we've done lots of different things like that, but what I really, I realized, and to answer your question in the most roundabout way possible, <laughs> the direction we're going right now and really what's got me excited is I've realized that as we've started to attract some higher level people, we do have a lot of people who are coming to us with successful companies, but they want to start a platform um, and they're looking for a network of partners. Most people get really scared by, um, the networking side, right? And I think networking is a gross word. Um, I, I don't really believe in networking. I believe in collaboration. Um, because when you think of networking, you think of going to like a BNI event, not to bash BNI. And then people are like, hey, here's my card. I sell insurance. And you're like, yep, cool, gone, right? You throw the card away. So <laughs> what I found though is in the online space, the collaboration efforts are where, um, you know, we've seen the, the best results. And so what I'm hoping to do, and this is really kind of our next goal, is we want to get 10,000 entrepreneurs over the next two years to help them to create a network of 1,000 um, uh, referral partners is, is what you could call them, right? Or we call it the Pantheon, right? A Pantheon is a gathering of titans. Because I feel like that's what helped us to scale so quickly was to build out a true network of friends and it was all through building a platform. So that's really the next goal for us is we're trying to get in a lot of homes, help a lot of people um, to, to build out this pantheon for their, for their own industry. I like your vision. Um, it's always about helping others, but at the same time, how do you really help others monetize their business models as well? I think that's a really a deadly combination that, that's needed for everyone. Now yeah. tell me this, Josh, at the end of the day, how does it feel you know, running your own successful business, interviewing a lot of uh, interesting people and the lucky titans. What do you say to yourself at the end of the day? Honestly, so I'd be lying to you if I said there weren't days where I was just like, I don't want to work today. I think people uh, overplay that. Like if you don't wake up every day super excited to do what you're doing, you're not in the right place. I'm like, I just don't believe that because work is work. Some days you're just like, I want to be on the lake. I don't want to be uh, in my house working on my computer, right? <laughs> um, but I will honestly say, you know, what has kept me going, gets me really excited and, and living in this is that I love what I do and I could literally do it all day, every day. Um, it bugs my wife sometimes because I, I do my, I work at home. I, I moved, we actually used to have an office and I realized this is stupid. So I moved it home <laughs> and I love it. I love being at my house. But the problem with that is I'll sometimes work really late because I don't even pay attention to the time because I don't have to be home. Right. Um, 
but I, I have found that for me, running a successful company has everything to do with um, your strategies and your systems and has nothing to do with your, um, your, your financial capability um, or uh, what's the other thing? <laughs> other things that people, everybody's always thinking it has to, has to do with, you know, what are, what are you capable of doing? What are, what's the money that you're able to bring to the table? And, and for me, it has everything to do with not having to work as much but having a successful company because we've worked with people who they'll run a multi-million dollar company in like two hours a week. And then there's some of us down here, you know, who are like hustling, but we're just running on a hamster wheel, you know? <laughs> That's very true. And I really like the way you've, uh, your perspective about, you know, how to run a successful business because everybody wants to build revenue streams that grow by themselves without having to do much of legwork every single day. And I'm glad a lot of us are moving towards that path and we wish you the very best in those endeavors as well, Josh. Thank you. Now, uh, now tell me this, you're also doing your MBA from the Jack Welch Institute. Yeah. How important is an MBA? Because as you mentioned, people think about a checklist before you know, doing a podcast or any kind of business that they want to run. You're looking at your financial capabilities or your educational degrees or your years of experience, thinking those could be some barriers for success. Tell us a little bit about your MBA and how that's helping you succeed in your life. Yeah, I love that you, you were literally the first person to ever ask me this. I think people are like, wow, you're doing your MBA? And I'm like, you, everybody should do their MBA. <laughs> uh, I, I'm one of the people that, uh, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, it's like anti-education or there's, it's like, it's like the academics versus the entrepreneurs, right? And I just don't believe that that's how it should work, right? I think that there's really good pieces from each side of the coin. and what I found for a lot of people is they feel like they have to go to Stanford or, you know, Brown or Yale or something because they, they want to be able to get this high level pedigree. But, but I think you have to be thinking about the trajectory you're trying to do and, and for what, for what purpose you're doing your MBA or what you're doing your education. You know, most people nowadays, they just go and they go and get uh, their bachelor's degree. Right. And I hope this isn't you. I don't know, but most people go to their, they do their bachelor's, they end up, changing their degree like 45 times before the end of their day. Did you do that? Nope. I, I had my career path set in terms of getting an engineering degree, getting my master's in computer science and an MBA. So I was pretty set in what I wanted to do. <laughs> but look where it's taken you. I mean, you've become the director level in a company. Like That's huge. And what's so funny to me though, is that, you know, being in, with my undergrad, so many kids just like, they just, they'd go from accountant to doctor to, to entrepreneur. And you're just like, what? You know, like, why are you so like, have such a hard time to determine where you want to go? Um, actually my first product that absolutely flopped was to help kids to not do that. <laughs> it was to choose, to choose a degree quickly. It didn't sell at all because college kids have no money, right? Yeah. I should have thought of that before I made that anyway. So when, when, you're doing that with, with your undergrad. I found though that it's all about choosing a trajectory and figuring out where you want to be. And for me, the MBA, I'm not getting the MBA so I can get a job. I'll be completely honest. And people will look at me and be like, why are you doing it then? Why are you spending? I mean, through the Jack Welch, I don't know what they're, I think they changed their, their tuition or what have you. But for me, it's, it's a $50,000 degree, um, which is actually very cheap when it comes to uh, a master's education. But the thing that the Jack Welch Institute has provided for me that at no other school could is the, the network that they provide. And it's extremely um, customizable as far as my time frame. So, you know, I, I am full-time entrepreneur. I, I do work a lot to, to keep up with this, but 
I literally do my MBA in about five to six hours a week. And, you know, there's some people who will debate and say, hey, it's not as good of an MBA because it's not a full-time MBA. And I think there'd be benefits to doing both. But for me and for what I'm using it for, it's the perfect degree for me. So what, what I've gotten out of it, even to this point, we're about a year and I still have two years left. Um, what I've even gotten to this point, though, is there's, there's just a level of education about the way that an actual business runs that you don't get in the online space. When you're, when you're working in the online space, it's, people are kind of treating it like a sales job. And if you treat it like a real company, and even, I'm not even saying you have to go get you know, venture funding or what have you, or angel investors or anything. I'm just saying the way that you run your team, the way that you train people, the way that you're doing your marketing will be drastically different than if you try to go out and just start it on your own, right? Not to say you can't make money in both, both things, but for me, I'm really like, we kind of hit a point in our life where I was like, I don't really have any more wants. I'm not the guy who needs a yacht. I hate watches. I wear polos from Sam's Club. Like, I don't really care <laughs> about, you know, what I, what I wear, what have you. The one big splurge I want in my life is to always have a boat, right? That's my one thing. So, you know, for, for me, the, the money doesn't motivate me as much, but the, the progress and the momentum that keeps me excited and keeps me happy is what I, what I strive for. And so, you know, for me, the, the MBA is, is putting me in a situation where <clears throat> I can be educated about every topic I want to know about business because I love it. It's my hobby. People think I'm boring, but like, that's the one thing I do. I, I love that, well, that boating, right? So I have two hobbies. <laughs> so, you know, and, and for most people, I think that they're, they're looking at an MBA of like, okay, well, it's going to be my next pivot point. Um, you know, it is a good safety blanket if, you know, everything hit the fan and we had to like move to a different country and get a job, right? There it is. But um, I don't really ever foresee that happening as long as the coronavirus doesn't kill all of us. So, you know, I'm, I'm just expecting that it will be for us, it'll be a great um, way to incorporate our business into a true company instead of just, you know, Josh in his office at home, right? I really like that idea because an MBA, the training that you get, one, the networking really helps in terms of getting to know the right kind of people and, you know, being surrounded by inspiring people who do a lot of interesting work. And two is, for me personally, Josh, I align with your thought because it changes your perspective on how you think about a lot of problem solving. You know, how do you set up your own entrepreneurial journey? It gives you the confidence to actually take some calculated risks in your life as well, which, okay. you know, a regular, you know, a computer science degree might not help you pivot in that way. You know, just as an example, as somebody who's done both the degrees. So an MBA is truly helpful if, you know, for people like us who want to jump to the next level, but have the right kinds of tools in your toolbox uh, to really make that pivot. So thank yeah. you for sharing those personal strategies that have helped you become, uh, you know, a truly good leader. You know, that's how I, I see yourself as I hear more about your journey so far. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. That's a really big compliment. Cause I know that, you know, for a lot of people, um, success can be daunting, you know, and, and, uh, it's this one thing that we all want, but then when a lot of us get it, you kind of get to a point where you're like, is that it? You know? <laughs> and I, I, I've even found, especially in the career realm, a lot of people get to a job and they're like, okay, now I just do this for 40 years. Are you serious? You know? <laughs> um, and I have a lot of friends who, you know, I grew up with who've been going that route and they've all told me that. 
And I'm like, that's so sad, you know, because for me, it's like, I'm just excited about momentum. It doesn't even have to be financial momentum. It's like, as long as we're continuing forward, I'm, I'm a happy person. But, you know, one, one other thing I would like to share about this, the MBA though, this concept is that everybody thinks that they have to be the guy or the gal, right? The, the guy or the girl. And the reality is that you don't have to be the entrepreneur. Um, there are a lot of people who are very successful entrepreneurs who really need a strong second. And if you come in, so I have a partner, you'll never see him. You'll never hear his voice because he hates being on, on camera and on microphone. But the guy does our accounting. He runs the entire back end and he keeps me structured because I'm a firework, right? I'm running in 15 different directions at every time. He just says, hey, let's hone in on this direction. He's kind of our strategic partner. And he makes a lot of money because of it, right? And so there's, there's a lot of value in that and that a lot of people don't think about. You can still be the entrepreneur, own a lot of the company without having to be the creative manager for it. And it's just kind of this thing that people think about is, oh, I have to be the, the CEO of the company. Um, honestly, if I were to start over again, I would go find somebody who has a really good business background, has successfully grown companies, started a company with them and said, hey, I'll be the dancing monkey. You put me in front of people, but you run everything else, right? Um, you know, a lot of the top leaders that you see are actually those people. You look at the Dean Graciosis, you look at Russell Brunson, all of these people, they actually have two or three partners who are extremely successful, but you don't even know they exist. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, but that, that's one of the things that an MBA provides you as well, is an MBA will make you the strongest possible second to some to people's company. That's very true. And some people like us like to be the voice and face of the company so that right. somebody else can run the structural day-to-day -day operations to help you succeed. Uh, right. Thank you so much for sharing more about uh, you know, the importance of education, but everybody has a different perspective on what works for them. And I'm glad right. you found a path that integrates with your thinking. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. So we have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it? Oh yeah, I love these. Let's do it. They stump me all the time though, so I'm sorry. You might have to edit out some pauses. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following. A lucky titan whom you want to interview. Um, billionaire. What do you say to yourself um, when you hear a no? I hear a no. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Role model? Role model, Russell Brunson. I was thinking of that. <laughs> what's your native language? This is a fun thing that I ask all my guests. So what's your native language? And what is one word you would use to describe yourself in that language? Ooh. Um, so English. I do speak Spanish as well, though. Yeah, yeah. I know you have bilingual proficiency. <laughs> <laughs> um, in English, I would say eccentric. Mm -hmm. What do you say in Spanish? <laughs> oh, boy, that's a good one. Jeez, um, I don't have one coming to mind. I don't even know how to say eccentric in Spanish. Now you stumped me. <laughs> <laughs> you can say something else in Spanish that describes you. That's closer Let's to see. Um, Animado. And what is Excited. it? Excited. Excited. That's awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on our show and for sharing some interesting insights that you've really opened up. I enjoyed getting to know about where you started in your early career you know, as a service to humanity, to how you formulated your own entrepreneurial journey, the importance of mentorship, 
getting your MBA, and the most important of all is the joint venture collaboration to help fellow entrepreneurs succeed. Do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I would say is like, if, if you could take one thing from this interview is, is think about how you can become the host of your own show. Um, it doesn't have to be a podcast. It doesn't have to be a TV show even, but create a place where you can start to share your thoughts. There, there's a lot of competition for, for information online right now, but people are going to start being attracted to your personality and to your value system. And people will align with you based on those and not just on the money that you make. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. So that was Josh Tapp, serial entrepreneur and the host of the Lucky Titan podcast, which is an amazing show. I would encourage all of you to go ahead and listen to the show and subscribe to this podcast. Until another guest with another interesting episode, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders and interesting allies. And Josh is clearly one among them. Please subscribe to Career Startup Podcast on YouTube and all our social media channels to stay tuned on the latest episodes. Thank you.